In late 1962, the cinema going public was about to be both shaken and stirred by a Secret Service agent who had quickly become a worldwide phenomenon. I'm Stephen Archibald and welcome to my movie podcast. dear listener and welcome to my podcast they came from within cult movie reviews a bond that is everlasting dr no 1962 the cinematic colossus that is the james bond franchise was born 61 years ago the western world was in the grip of the cold war these were heightened times In fact, the Cuban Missile Crisis kicked off just 11 days after this movie was first shown. So, as a coping mechanism, this movie, about an invincible agent who could beat the forces of a faceless enemy, was ideal. Ian Fleming wrote 12 Bond novels in all, and two further Fleming books consist of short stories about the super spy's exploits. Dr. No was actually the sixth novel in the series, but its pacey, fairly straightforward plot made it a good choice to kick things off with. When the station chief of MI6 in Jamaica is murdered, along with his secretary, 007 is dispatched to investigate. After some deadly setbacks, Bond discovers the location of Dr. No's hideout, where the megalomaniac tampers with US missiles and aims to destabilise Cape Canaveral's space launch with his sophisticated radio beam. The American producer, Albert R. Broccoli, wanted to put Bond on the big screen. However, the Canadian producer, Harry Saltzman, owned the rights to most of the books. They ended up as business partners, and the rest is history. Broccoli and Saltzman wanted the dashing Kerry Grant to play James Bond, but being in his late 50s at the time, and there being the possibility the movie could result in a series, ultimately ruled Grant out. As for Ian Fleming, His first choice was said to be David Niven. Another top choice of his? Ironically, an actor called Roger Moore, who started playing The Saint on TV the same year this film came out. What's also ironic is that David Niven would get to play 007, but only in the unofficial Bond spoof, Casino Royale, from 1967. Us lucky film fans ended up with the magnificent Sean Connery. When Broccoli and Saltzman first met him, they were highly impressed by his unkempt appearance and tough, couldn't-care-less attitude. 
an effective job interview, if ever there was one. It's thought that the Swiss beauty, Ursula Andress, was cast to play the first big screen Bond woman, Honey Ryder, on the strength of a photograph of her seen by the movie's producers. And Ursula arguably made the greatest ever screen entrance by a Bond woman, emerging from the sea in a white bikini. A moment, of course, brilliantly replicated by Daniel Craig in 2006's Casino Royale, enabling hordes of female viewers to gasp and cheer with delight for a change at the pure objectification of the male form. As all Bond obsessives know, it wasn't just Miss Andrus's character who made an iconic first impression. Near the start of the film, in a nighttime gambling sequence inspired by Fleming's first 007 book, Casino Royale, we get to see close-ups of Bond's hands, the back of his head, and his shoulders, only revealing Connery's striking good looks when he gets to utter those immortal lines. Bond, James Bond. It's a killer introduction, with Sean delivering a line which has become one of the most celebrated in cinema history. Aside from a few science fiction elements, the movie has a tough, pretty realistic edge to it. This is largely down to Terence Young's dynamic direction and the masterful rapid-fire editing of Peter Hunt. Hunt went on to direct the fabulous Honor Majesty's Secret Service. For a mainstream film from the early 60s, some of its violence remains quite startling. The point-blank execution of the MI6 chief and his secretary at the start of the picture being a good example. Another one concerns James Bond himself. After the treacherous Professor Dent who's portrayed by the character actor Anthony Dawson, attempts to kill him, Bond orders him to drop his weapon. And after asking Dent a few questions, 007 coldly shoots him dead. Bond then nonchalantly shoots another bullet into the prone man's back. It serves as a startling reminder of the brutal nature of the spying game. This scene was considered to be so alarming, Terence Young had to fight to keep it in the movie. It survived, of course, albeit in a censored version. It is quite important that the scene wasn't excised. To quote Ian Fleming himself, James Bond is a blunt instrument, wielded by a government department. He is quiet, hard, ruthless, sardonic, and fatalistic. The screenplay for Dr. No was written by Richard Maybaum, along with Joanna Harwood and Barclay Mather. A few changes were made to the source novel, some good, some not so good. It was a fine idea to introduce the new villains, Professor Dent and Miss Tarone, 
the latter being played by the glamorous Zena Marshall. What was not so inspired was adding Felix Leiter to this tale, at the expense of the Cayman Islander Quarrel. Now, Leiter is an important character. However, he doesn't appear in Fleming's Doctor No novel, whereas Quarrel does. In fact, he's a close friend to James Bond in both Doctor No as well as the second novel, Live and Let Die. Both Bond and Honey are shocked by his death in the movie, but his abrupt passing has a more profound effect on 007 in the book. And besides, once Jack Lord's Felix Leiter is introduced, he isn't given much else to do. John Kitts Miller is quite likeable in the limited Quarrel role. It was a missed opportunity for the film's makers not to make more use of a man who had the distinction of being the first black performer to win Best Actor at the Cannes Film Festival. It was for his role as Sergeant Jim in the 1957 Yugoslavian film Valley of Peace. Returning to what I touched upon earlier, another character who does not appear in the original novel is Sylvia Trent, who's played on screen by the deeply glamorous Eunice Gason. It was Terence Young's idea to bring her in, and I could not conclude this review without mentioning the series' first Bond villain, Dr Julius No, portrayed by the suave Canadian-born actor Joseph Wiseman. And although he gave an impeccable performance, I can't help wondering how things would have been if the brilliant Swedish actor Max von Sydow hadn't turned the part down. And how about this for being a prophetic sign of enduring popularity? Dr No received its London premiere on the same day the Beatles released their first single, Love Me Do, the 5th of October, 1962. What a great film to kick off the series with. Dr No was produced by E.ON and was funded and distributed by United Artists. Although I should point out that I'm not sponsored by Feedspot, I do have to thank Anuj Argawal for sending me an email on Thursday the 20th of April, pointing to a Feedspot link that my podcast is rated number 23 in the 30 best cult movie podcast list, posted on the 13th of April 2023. I deeply appreciate this information because it tells me I must be doing something right. So I sincerely thank Feedspot for the accolade. I'm Stephen Archibald, and thanks again for listening to my podcast, They Came From Within, Cult Movie Reviews. Facebook listeners can find all of my podcasts on most podcast hosts. Take good care, and bye-bye for now.